Friends, a very good morning to you all. Uh, please hear this alongside my written notice, which is on the, from the Vicarage letter this week or on your email mail out. So some good things, some present things and some future things. As we look back, some of the good things that we can recall with thankfulness, glory to God, Cam's first house party with his team with over 40 teenagers, more families registered at Holiday Club this year than in recent years, thanks to Rosie and Simon's ministry, and a greater use of this church building during the week, not just on Sundays. And those of you with me who enjoyed our Saturday away at home church experience will have much to be grateful for. All this and more you have paid for, so thank you. Some present things. We didn't line this up as a visual aid, but clearly a building of this beauty and stature does need some upkeep. This is a particularly expensive piece of repair work. And then we, like the rest of the country, find ongoing struggles with increasing inflation costs. A couple of years ago, we committed to increase our regular giving through the Mission Support Group Agency to increase giving away to 10%. And this, to sustain, will mean we thank you for what you give, but we are going to need to ask for new donors or for those who give to prayerfully consider whether they can do a little bit more. So we've looked at some good things, some present things that cause our budget strain, and some future things. We wish to continue our staffing policy of having a youth minister. This has been helped greatly by other means, but in the next year or so, the money will run out. So we'll need to budget to make sure youth ministry can continue. It, those of you who have been at All Saints for a number of years will remember with affection the musical glory to God output of this church. And that's to say we've, de we've decided to try and get back to a music minister which has been costed and tested at a half-time appointment. So thank you for listening to this and thank you for considering your response prayerfully through a very detailed and comprehensive letter written by Julia and the church wardens that you will have received. In addition to that, you'll have a, a little tick box box filling exercise which the staff team have produced to indicate that God is not just interested in your money but how you use your lives and how those things could be contributed as a stewardship offering in the Lord's service. The form is self-explanatory. Thank you in the Lord's name for what you give to this church. And now Sue is going to ask, uh, be answering my question to her, how do you see a music minister being used in the future? And then Cam, how do you see the youth ministry being used going forward? I will see you a bit later from the sermon. That was not it, okay? Uh, why, why do we need a new director of music? Well, I have to pay tribute to the choir. Some of them are absent today, maybe on holiday. Um, for, what is it, about two and a half years we've been without a 
proper leader we, um, to develop us and help us. Um, and, um, you know, thanks very much to these folk who've turned up so regularly um, in sometimes quite difficult circumstances. And you might think, well, they're doing all right, aren't they, without a director of music? And um, I'd like to use that analogy of a swan going along the river beautifully and gracefully, um, but underneath, all the work is being done. And um, there's a great deal of work that has to be done for us to be here singing all together on a Sunday morning. And I have to pay tribute to Roger and to Eric, who have um, acted as our conductor um, and direct, uh, a director of music, in, in effect, um, over this time. And we, we do our best, but we are just, just about muddling along. Um, the next thing I'd like to say is that we, um, because we're just doing our best, I think if we had a director of music, we would be encouraged and challenged to do a bit more than our best. Um, I was listening this morning to the beginning of the radio service with a, a choir singing at um, Warwick Parish Church. And I thought, oh, wow, wouldn't it be wonderful if we had a choir that it sounded at least 20 strong, maybe 30. I thought, wouldn't it be wonderful if we had that here? And I think in the past, we have had such a, a large choir and so thirdly, I think if we had a director of music, um, I would love it if he could encourage others to join us. Maybe younger folk for, who come to other services might be encouraged to give of their time and their skill to bump up the numbers and enable us to do more challenging pieces of music but also perhaps to go into the local schools and encourage children to come and be choristers. There's a wonderful uh, scheme run by the Royal, College of Church, Royal School of Church Music uh, whereby children receive a free musical education um, and um, receive their medals as they, they go along and develop. And... Um, you'll observe that most of us here are of a certain age and we do need new people to join the choir. So I, I hope that a director of music would see that as a very important part of his role. So something for you to think about this morning. Thank you. Well, the first thing I want to say is how grateful I am to both you guys as the Church of All Saints and God for um, the opportunity I have to be the youth minister here. As I, I love it and I have a lot of fun throughout every, every week I spend here. I'll start with just kind of briefing you on everything that I do and then share a little bit of my hopes for the following academic year. So the main thing that we do every Sunday evening, we have our Abide meetings, our Abide Youth Fellowships, after the six o'clock service down in the halls. Um, of late, we've had about between 20 and 30 youth gather. We study the Bible together, pray together, and we play a lot of really silly games. 
Uh, and in recent weeks, we've been seeing it grow. Uh, we've been seeing a few new people come, which has been so exciting. We have encounter groups. Around this time last year, we started our first encounter group uh, with five of the young people where we met fortnightly. Um, Ken and Margaret and my other, the other leaders in that group with me. Uh, and since then, we've had two, three, five different encounter groups with a total of nearly 30 young people all attending an encounter group, which has been lovely uh, as we study the Bible in more depth, we discuss the, the difficult topics of faith and, and think about how we can live fully for Jesus as young people today, and we pray together as well. So that's been brilliant. Uh, house party last year was a lot of fun. We had a fantastic week away. We had three young people decide to follow Jesus, and we had eight um, wanting to be confirmed. Um, so the, the, the way that God moved throughout house party was very clear, and it was a lot of fun. And next year, we just look forward to being bigger and better uh, as we move to a bigger venue we have better activities and we've got capacity to take on even more young people to house party. Of late, I've been able to build up connections with Silverdale. Um, I go in there every Tuesday lunchtime to run the Christian Union, which is off to a very strong start um, with around 10 young people coming every week uh, and, and a couple of new ones every single week I go in, which has been lovely to see. Uh, and also with Bent Green School just up the road, um, with the communication and the relationship with them building week by week. And on Wednesday, I'm actually going in there all day uh, and going to be running sessions on arting the Christian faith. And they invited me in to do that. So seven lessons throughout the day, and I'm looking forward to that. That'll be, that'll be a fantastic day. Youth services as well. I wonder if anyone's come along to the 6 o'clock service when we've had a, a youth-led service. It's been wonderful seeing um, how the youth take up these opportunities of church leadership, um, leading us in the band, reading prayers, joining me with the sermons, and all those kind of things. And I look forward to how, they're gonna, how we can provide more opportunities for the youth to become active members of this church family rather than just attendees at a youth club. Um, as well as, what else do we do? We have our football sessions on a Monday, and that's bit, we've had a few new people come to that, which is a great gate, gateway into the rest of the youth ministry that we run here. I think my hopes for the next year to answer Mark's question is just to see deepened discipleship and more young people coming and hearing about Jesus. We have plans and ideas uh, amongst myself and the youth team of how we're going to stop just kind of looking initially at the youth who we've already got, but how we can look out, how we can provide a space where the young people can invite their friends along to as well. We're already seeing that start to work, and, but we're only in the very early stages of that. So I look forward to seeing how God's going to work through that. And also with encounter groups and the rest of the discipleship things we do, with a mission trip to Manchester that's going to happen in the summer term, with house party and, and all those things, I just really look forward to seeing how the young people that we have grow in their faith, take on more responsibility for their relationship with Jesus, how they share their faith with others, um, how we have some, some of our young people leading a seminar at Breathe Deep, which is the 
um, the Dyson youth events, how they're taking on those different responsibilities in, in the areas of the Christian faith. So I just look forward to seeing everything that God's going to do through them and through the young people that I don't know yet. Thank you. The first reading is from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and can be found on page 175 in the New Testament section of the Church Bible. We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that has been granted to the churches of Macedonia. For during a severe ordeal of affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For, as I can testify, they voluntarily gave according to their means, and even beyond their means, begging as earnestly for the privilege of sharing in this ministry to the saints. And this, not merely as we expected, they gave themselves first to the Lord and by the will of God to us, so that we might urge Titus that, as he had already made a beginning, so he should also complete this generous undertaking among you. Now, as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in utmost eagerness, and in our love for you, so we want you to excel also in this generous undertaking. I do not say this as a command, but I am testing the genuineness of your love against the earnestness of others. For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. And in this matter I am giving my advice. It is appropriate for you who began last year not only to do something, but even to desire to do something. Now finish doing it, so that your eagerness may be matched by completing it according to your means. For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. I do not mean that there should be relief for others and pressure on you, but it is a question of a fair balance between your present abundance and their need, so that their abundance may be for your need, in order that there may be a fair balance. As it is written, the one who had much did not have too much, and the one who had little did not have too little. But thanks be to God who put in the heart of Titus the same eagerness for you that I myself has. For he not only accepted our appeal, but since he is more eager than ever, he is going to you of his own accord. With him we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his proclaiming of the good news. And not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us while we are administering this generous undertaking for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our goodwill. We intend that no one should blame us about this generous gift that we are administering, for we intend to do what is right, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of others. And with them we are sending our brother, whom we have often tested and found eager in many matters, 
but who is now more eager than ever because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and co-worker in your service. As for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. Therefore, openly before the churches, show them the proof of your love and of our reason for boasting about you. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand for the Gospel reading. The reading is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. He was the one who had reclined next to Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about him? And Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Follow me. So the rumour spread in the community that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but if it is my will that you remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is testifying to these things and has written them, and we know that his testimony is true. But there are also many other things that Jesus did. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Might I lead you in a short prayer. Father, we thank you for your grace poured out upon us in Christ as we open these pages of Holy Scripture. We pray that our hearts and our minds and our lives might be open to receive your blessing always present for us in Christ and eternally ours because of him. Amen. Amen. Paul starts his second letter to the church of Corinth. He was very fond of the church in Corinth. Remember the great love poem that he poured out to them? And now he's opening up his heart to them. And he says at the start of his letter, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies and the God of all consolation. In summary, he blesses us. And there's a very important so that coming at the end of verse 3, leading on to verse 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, so that we might bless others. God is good to us. We can in turn be good to others in God's name. So he starts this correspondence in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. One of the things I will remember till my dying day, which I hope will be a long way off now when I first arrived here, a rather fierce, friendly lady looked at me and said, I'm really interested to know how you're going to do cough up Sunday. The um, forceful individual who's not present in church today um, had an amusing turn of phrase. It reminded me of the highwayman. I mean, presumably there were highway women back in the day, but it's your money or your life. 
I suppose you can dumb this down as cough up Sunday or your money or your life, but right from the start of Scripture all the way through to 2 Corinthians, money is on the agenda. It's because God is there, he's created everything, included the material world that he's given to us to enjoy, and then rapidly fast-forwarding through the Old Testament in order that God's people might remember that all good things come from him and of your own do we give you, there is, shall we say, an easy piece of legislation that comes in, namely the tithe, which is given a forensic amount of 10%. We can argue about the percentages either way, but the point is not that God's after the 10%. God owns the whole lot anyway in order that we might be reminded that he owns all of it were to give a fraction away so that we're reminded that the other 95, 90% or 92% or 86%, depending how you tithe, let's not fight about this, belongs to God as well. In fact, he's probably more interested, the treasurer will shut her ears at this moment, that God gets or the church gets our 10%. He's probably more interested in the 90% because he wants to bless us. All the way through pages of Scripture, stewardship, financial resources, all we have from God is looked at in many and various ways. And Paul says simply in 2 Corinthians, if you, if you know blessing from God, that's been given that you might bless others. The way he does this particular argument in 2 Corinthians 8, which we'll look in detail at now, is interesting. First of all, he speaks about your minds, then he speaks about your life, then he speaks about your friends, then he speaks about your resources, each, if I may, briefly in turn. First of all, your minds. You know, don't you? You know about the grace of God. You've clocked this, haven't you? How you've seen other Christians give beyond their means, surely that is an indication that they understand that God's been good to them, so they give to others. Paul is addressing their minds about generous Christians. Do you see they get it? So they give away generously. He mentions this phrase again. I'm sure you know about this principle that the Macedonian Christians evidence for you, just in the same way, verse 9 of 2 Corinthians 8, that you know about the grace of God in Christ. Even though he was rich, Yet for our sakes, he became poor. All Christian discipleship, this is a tangential point, starts with the mind. It's what you think about things. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Paul says, do you get this? And then notice... I guess this is your money or your life. Paul is saying it's your mind, but it's also your life. Very clearly there in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for, here's the important point, for your sake he became poor. 
It wasn't as if God was having an interesting set of, I wonder how I'm going to keep this planet going. I wonder what I'll do with my day. I wonder what my hobby should be. I wonder what should happen. Or let's just demonstrate something about my love uh, with Jesus Christ. And the rest, as I'm sure we know, there's the cross, there's his life, there's his resurrection. But Paul says, all this was for your sake. He was rich and made himself poor for our sake. Do bear in mind that God is not just interested in your money. He's interested in your whole of your life. It's for your sake that Jesus claimed And then when you trust in him, your redemption comes not as a little bit of individualistic piety in your soul that's got like a ticket to get you safe to heaven. God is concerned for all of you, for all your sakes. And perhaps that's why Paul was speaking to the Corinthians. You've been strengthened by God You've been comforted by God. You've experienced God. And if you know that, then of course that will happen elsewhere. Maybe Paul was saying, I wonder if you know the present reality and experience of the grace of God. Your mind needs to be transformed. Your whole life needs to be considered. And then thirdly, notice your friends. I've chosen a word for the Macedonian Christians. Perhaps to bring it up to date, we don't live to God by ourselves, but those of us who trust Christ, other people are holding on to him as well. We are by virtue and nature friends and fellow members of the body of Christ. And Paul says, consider the Macedonian Christians how they gave. Consider the people who are going to benefit from the gifts of your love and finances. They are holding on to Christ too. Those young people that might well be in the choir. Those people Cam hasn't met yet. The people we don't see who will become Christians as a result of your gifts. They too will be holding on to Christ as you are. They are your fellow members. They are your friends. Paul then gets very forensic and detailed when he asks the Corinthian church to consider their resources. He mentions, verse 13, this sense of fairness. I do not mean that there should be relief for others and pressure on you, There shouldn't be, as it were, guilt-ridden appeals. There shouldn't be an unnecessary sense of over-obligation. Paul is quite practical and real about this. But other people are without and need resources, so think through how this should be done. Paul appeals to fairness. He even draws in the Old Testament. This one had much, did not... The one who had much did not have too much, and the one who had little did not have too little. Notice too, in verse 4 of chapter 8, there is a timely sense in which this giving needs to be done now. The Macedonian churches were saying, could we 
they're begging us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in this ministry for the saints. It's been a personal joy of mine to be in Christian circles where you don't actually have to ask for money, but someone joins up the dots and see that money is needed and they ask you how much could be given to help that problem out, even though it's not been asked for. There is a timely, intelligent sense about this. Notice too, Paul, I'm sounding like a financial advisor now, preparing a pension plan, but he's having a real go at people's laziness. Notice in verse 11, now finish doing that so that your eagerness may be matched by completing it according to your means. Paul is even saying, if you know the grace of God, I want to make sure that the desire is there in the first place and you act on that desire, that impulse, that we must do something by actually doing something and not procrastinating. Paul is actually jangling the dish and saying, we need some money. I'm sure you know the grace of God that if you want to be blessed, you'll need to give away some of what you have. How sarcastic and how ironic Paul is being at this next point, but he speaks about the Corinthian church and their comprehensiveness in their discipleship. So look at verse 7. Now as you excel in everything, well, just look at how good you are. Look at your faith. Look at your speech. Look at your knowledge. In utmost eagerness of our, our love for you, I want to see that you excel in this grace of giving. Gosh, he was a good salesman, wasn't he? Or he's giving people a reality check. And when it comes to the broad principle that God wants to bless us across Scripture, sometimes there needs to be straight talking. Let's go back to where we started this letter to the church in Corinth. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies and the God of all consolation, who consoles us in all our affliction so that we may be able to console those who are in any affliction with the consolation that we ourselves have received from God. You've received good things from God, Paul says. Then do ensure that the good that you've received you pass on to others. Why they were sluggish about it, why they were unclear about it, uh, we'll never know. But Paul doesn't pull his punches. I'm sure you know the grace of God giving to these people that they were the first to give to the church in Macedonia. Why aren't you like that, Paul says. Before I pray, just to flip out, as it were, of uh, sermonic mode, bringing the word of God, and let me put my vicar hat on and perhaps extend the notice a little bit in an applied way. Many people, many, many people in this church are very, very generous. Please don't do something you are not able to do. If you appreciate a more detailed com uh, uh, conversation with me about how the finances are arranged, you see I've put some dates in my diary to be available to you. 
but thank you for your generosity and thank you for giving attention to Julia's letter and the little sheet of paper that the staff team has written. May the Lord bless you and guide you as you consider prayerfully these things. Father, we thank you that many of us know the grace of God in Christ. We pray that through our prayers, through our work, many others too might come to find faith in Christ, the one in whom we are eternally safe. 